Hello beauty, welcome. Thank you so much for dropping into Time in the Studio today where we share the power of plants, art, and healing through stories and recount tales of change and connection while planting seeds of possibility and advocating for collective liberation. We have work to do. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Miller. I'm an artist, herbalist, healer, and podcaster in Boulder, Colorado. And I've been super lucky to have some fantastic conversations with brilliant folks. And I delight in sharing these conversations with you. I also want to commend you and I'm thankful that all of you are out there having difficult conversations and getting uncomfortable to help shake up the status quo of racism, sexism, homophobia, ageism, ableism, sizeism, all the stuff that just we got to shake it up mix it up. And uh, another note, if you have not yet registered to vote, do it. There is too much at stake. Your voice matters. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ufta, you are in for a treat today. I got a chance to connect with Callie Longnecker, also known as Medicine Maiden on Instagram, and by some of her dear friends and family. Callie is a personal chef, clinical herbalist, nutritionist, and postpartum doula, photographer, blogger, and farmer. And there are so many great tips packed into this episode from how to take care of mama's best and what foods and drinks to nourish them with or to nourish anyone with to which lens to use in photography and how to set up the perfect photo shoot of your morning porridge. She also describes learning to cook in a Michelin star restaurant in Italy and lets us know how to treat our food better. You will absolutely want to follow Callie on Instagram as her feed is totally drool-worthy and so gorgeous. And be sure to check out her latest project. It's a CSA of flowers and baked goods at Millflower on Instagram. Such a cool idea. And if you're in Boulder and know someone you want to delight with flowers and pastries, uh, connect with her. You can send it as a gift. I also want to give a shout out to Esoterra Farms. That's at Esoterra Culinary, where they are growing amazing edible plants. And they're full of unique flavors and aesthetics and just really exploring the diversity of beautiful plants here. Uh, also, a big shout out to Mona the Grain Lady, who is working with Heritage Grains, which we talk about a lot in this episode. And I have a super creamy bonus for Patreon supporters. In this episode, Callie mentions her therapeutic milk tea, and she's allowing me to share the recipe with my beloved patrons. So thank you so much for considering being a patron. If you want to uh, do that, you can. And... You just go to patreon.com slash time in the studio and connect it. And a big thanks to all of you for listening, sharing, and supporting the podcast in so many ways. I feel so grateful to be able to do this work, and it just feels like part of my life's path. I don't know how long I'll do it, maybe forever. I mean, sometimes I think I just want this, I want to do this forever. Um... And it warms my heart when I hear from you, when I see that this work makes a difference to you and matters and helps you in some way. And again, just thank you so much for being here. And my heart goes out to you. 
Okay, let's get into it without further ado. Cha-cha-cha. I am so honored and delighted to have on the podcast today, Callie Longnecker, also known as Medicine Maiden. She is an incredible chef, herbalist, helper, doula, nutritionist, musician, poet. Oh my gosh, all the things. What else? There's a oh, photographer, artist. You're just doing everything. It's so beautiful. So Callie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, me too. I'm so curious. So I got to know you while we were both attending school at the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism. We had some amazing peers and teachers and just a really beautiful time and space that that was existing in. And I'm just curious about your path now and what led you to herbalism and just kind of, yeah, can you give us like some highlights of your journey along the way? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I mean, I grew up in a pretty big family where, you know, we were raised really um, such a natural sort of upbringing, all home birthed and my mom had gotten really into organic food and she was kind of uh, experimenting with herbs in a way. But yeah, I always sort of had that kind of influence growing up. And then in my teen years, I kind of had some health issues. I was a big horseback rider. And cool. Throughout my childhood and early teens. And so that kind of brought some different health issues. I had back pains and migraines and hip issues at such a young age. I mean, I was like 14 and I was having the craziest skeletal issues and things like that. And so, yeah, I was always at the chiropractor. You know, I had a lot of anxiety and worry as a child and that definitely carried into my teen years. And so I realized that something that was really important for me was food and uh, taking care of my body and just knowing how to do that confidently. I had a lot of bad falls from horseback riding. And so some of those put me in the hospital and I realized not a place I wanted to be. I was very scared of it. <laughs> so anything that was in my power to stay out of there, I, I wanted to do that. So yeah, I started looking into schools of nutrition and um, herbal medicine. And I always loved plants and flowers and food and, and I wanted to study that more. So then I came out to Colorado when I turned 18 and I went to CSCH, nutrition, herbal medicine, botany, all the good stuff. And then while I was in that program as well, I went to get my certification for the postpartum care practitioner, Michelle Garcia. I love her. She's the best. And then I also did the uh, Matrona holistic doula training. Incredible as well. Both of those women are two of my absolute favorite teachers and mentors and women in general. So yeah, I, I knew I wanted to somehow work with women and weave that into women's work as well, just because I, I came from a big family myself and I actually helped deliver my youngest sister. Oh, well, what's the <laughs> I, well, it's my first doula job, <laughs> so. I, yeah, my, my mom did all of her births at home, 
think is the way it should always be done. You know, I think hospitals should be reserved for medical emergencies, which sometimes happen, you know, especially if there's a complication around birth. I'm really grateful for hospitals, but something as natural and organic, like the most beautiful, natural thing in the world, why not do it at home or in your backyard or somewhere you're comfortable? <laughs> yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, so it was basically me and the midwife and my mom, and she just squatted right down in her bedroom, and it was me on one side holding her hand and the midwife on the other, and yeah, and my sister, my youngest sister came, and I did a lot of herbal baths. At the time, I was kind of, you know, dabbling into herbs, and I was actually at the time apprenticing an herbalist in the area, and so that was like my first real job, and I was working with her, and so I would take things home and steal little books from her library and bring them home and learn all these things about women's health and birth and herbs that are applicable in that area. And yeah, I did lots of postpartum bath teas for her and I cooked for her. And that was kind of the very humble beginnings of this work that I'm still, you know, doing. so. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. How yeah. old you at that time? I was 15. Oh my gosh. Yep. So at a young age, I was like very interested in that, that line of work. And I, I mean, I love birth. I think about it is absolutely incredible and magical. And there's so much that we don't know. And yeah, it's a magic in itself. It's, it's the most beautiful thing, you know, to ever witness. And we're all here because of it, you know, it's something that's just part of us. You know, everyone has a birth. So yeah. I, I did that for a little bit, and then I, after the graduation from CSEH, I went to Augusta Scaffier, because I had always been interested in food, mm -hmm. and grew up, you know, looking through cookbooks, and watching cooking shows with my sisters, and always tinkering in the kitchen, and our own little recipes, and I wanted, I knew I wanted to do something with food, but at the time, when I was graduating CSCH, I knew I wasn't exactly done. I, I was like, I still wanna go to school. Like I, I felt like it wasn't finished. I still wanted to be in classes and, you know, <laughs> taking tests and <laughs> doing that sort of thing. And so I was looking into schools and I was looking into Bastier to possibly even, you know, be an ND or naturopathic doctor. And both of those things, as appealing as they sounded, I, I knew I wanted to do something more creative and more with my hands. And both of those things seemed a little bit restricting just because, you know, the life of a midwife, you're always on call and there's no traveling, you know, you're kind of stationed where you're at and you're there for all this. And, you know, the naturopathic doctor life and the life of any doctor, it's I don't know how, you know, creative you can be if you're going into an office every day from this time to that time. And it's fulfilling work for sure, you know, and I respect the people that do it. But as I thought more about it, I was like, oh, I don't think that's me. So, yeah, I went to culinary school and that's when I started working more on farms. And I, I started doing a little more personal shopping in the area, catered weddings, events, and so kind of just combining a little bit of everything. I'm curious about the personal shopping thing because I 
love cooking for people. And I saw on your website that you cook for up to 150 people, which seems so intimidating. <laughs> I guess that's, it's unlikely right now that you would have to do that because of COVID, but I'm just curious what it's like cooking for people and kind of how you prepare mentally, physically, like how do you, how do you make that all happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of one of those people, the more the merrier, like if it comes to things. So for me, it's just getting everything streamlined and, you know, really honing in on making everything as easy as possible, but as elegant as possible. So are there certain dishes and certain you can make kind of in bulk that they're beautiful and people are like, oh my gosh, like, how did you do this? But it was so easy, you know, <laughs> it was just a one pot wonder or it was, you know, literally just a basic pie crust with fruit and, you know, some honey and <laughs> making flour, you know, it's very simple. But yeah, I, I catered a wedding last year in Steamboat mm. and I remember signing up for it and just going in and it's like, it's not intimidating because it's just cooking, you know, and if something goes wrong and takes a left, you can always bring it back right. And, you know, it's just food. You can always make it taste better. So I feel like once I'm in the kitchen, I just, I feel like, okay, you know, let's go. And I get a little more militant and a little more like you get out <laughs> a little bit once I get the apron on. So, but yeah, it's cooking is so um, natural and so fun, you know? So for me, I just feel like I've never been intimidated by it, no matter the numbers of who I'm feeding. And I'm excited to feed people and get good food into bellies and, you know, get people excited about something. And food is something that we all just can relate to, you know, without it, we don't exist. So it's a very basic necessity that we all can have in common. And I think it's a really fun way to connect with others. Mm, I love there's something about that. And yeah just the idea of simple things like we're all born we all have to eat like yes. with your photography like there's just this capturing natural lighting like you just make everything seem so easy <laughs> and just effortless oh i don't know i'm curious just like if you want to talk more to that like how how have you found your way and your flow because I feel like sometimes food and birth and photography like all of those things can get really people get kind of spun or they make it more complicated well, that's the thing is I think we think too much and then of course you know at the same time not enough and so it's one of those things where it's like all of these basic, so, so natural things, you know, to our existence, we've made them so complicated. I mean, diet is one of them. Like, you know, we've made it so, so hard and food is so simple. Just mm -hmm. eat up from the ground around you, you know, like, oh, like I see bison, I see deer, I see cows, I see sheep. I should probably eat those things. And you know, the tomatoes growing in my garden outside and, you know, the corn coming up and the wheat coming up and all of these things. And it's if we, if we just become a little bit more of watching and observers, I mm -hmm. think 
things would feel a lot more simple and we could find our flow because we we have so many distractions that we've created yeah. i feel like the media realm of life is a huge place that we live in a lot of the time we, we spend our you know a, a huge chunk of our time in the media realm and that's not always reality you know i there's so many things that come from it and i've experienced really positive things from social media but at the same time we have to balance our natural world real reality with that so that way we can really you know ground into our feet and have our feet in the earth literally you know and look around at what's happening around us because it's usually all really positive things yeah. you know like i can have an encounter on social media that's you know negative and it's like oh man you know that that didn't feel good but in my real life the people around me are so supportive and so sweet and you know there's bees flying and there's birds singing and there's flowers coming up and you know there's food in the oven and it's like wow like this is a positive thing <laughs> like <laughs> positive yeah mindset so transformative i love that just reminder that if you just look at what's physically happening in your reality sometimes it's it's easier to be thankful and grounded absolutely yeah keep it simple and always follow your intuition you know making things less intimidating and more intuitive like if it feels right in your gut literally and you know figuratively it's probably right you know we're all brought into this world that way with this incredible intelligence inside of us to know how to survive and to also know how to live outside of survival. And we don't use the skills enough. You know, we rely so much on books, whether it comes to books on, Oh, how do I raise my child? Or how do I cook? How do I birth? Like you shouldn't, we know these things, you know, mm -hmm. we're born with that innateness. You know, we all know, we all know how to cook food and nourish our bodies. We all know, you know, how to give birth and, you know, find food and <laughs> gather and create communities and create love. And that's all within us. Those capabilities are inside of us and they want to bloom. And I think they want to blossom, but we don't really allow for that because we're so busy and we overcomplicate things and overthink things because we let all of these streams and pathways in of, you know, I think a lot of it's just nonsense half the time, you know, like that's, that's not relevant, you know, it's just distractions. So learning when to, <laughs> to trust yourself, I think, and be confident enough in yourself to go with your gut is huge. Mm, I love that. I'm curious if you have any suggestions or tips for having that simplicity, because I feel like sometimes it's easy to just like I'll be looking at social media and then I'm like, oh, 40 minutes just went by and that I just like wasted scrolling and like getting, you know, in this silly headspace. And so it's like, how do you come back into that just kind of stillness and simplicity? And is there, are there any tips you have for kind of getting more at ease? Totally, I mean, one thing that's really, excuse me, it helped me has just been farming and being outside in the dirt, literally with my feet, 
you know, sometimes barefoot, just kind of stomping around in the dirt and picking things and eating things straight up from the ground. There's something about that that feels so primal and so human. And it yeah. just, it makes you sort of, sort of reminisce, I guess, uh, where we came from and who we actually are and who we always will be, no matter what the distractions and all the fuzz and fluff will bring into our lives. Like, that's who you are. Um, as a human, that's what you signed up for to come to this world. You know, whether you know that or not about yourself, that's the truth. We are primal beings like that. So, yeah, for me, I mean, being out in the sun as much as possible and, you know, moving my body outside. And I'm not a person that does like extreme workouts and things like farming is really hard work. And you oh, feel, gosh. yeah, right? yeah, you get buff. You do. Right. I'm like, okay, I got those summer guns, <laughs> but uh, there's nothing that feels better. Like to me, there's no better exercise than being outside and harvesting or planting or doing something like that. And then taking home some veggies and making a big fresh salad. And, you know, I'm not even, I mean, I, I take a lot of photos um, while I'm out there and, you know, then we'll throw my phone in my car and won't look at it again until I'm back home. And it's just like, it starts the day off so well because I didn't get up and look at my phone first thing. You know, I got up and went outside and picked food and ate food and, yeah, kept it simple and clean. <laughs> I think that's groundwork, you know, foundationally that we can all apply to our lives. And even if it's just, you know, helping out at the community garden or, you know, I understand people in big cities don't have the luxury to drive, you know, 20 minutes down the road and help out at the local farm. You know, not everyone has that access, unfortunately. But I think if a lot of people could get back to just going outside and living more outside inside, which is how we were to live. You know, we're not trying to be inside as much as we are. We're, we're meant to be outdoors with nature. You know, that's our, that's our, our community, <laughs> you know? It feels really safe and really good. And I grew up in a big family, but I didn't really have a lot of friends growing up. My mom and my sisters, my brothers, and my dad and you know we were all pretty close and yeah I still consider them like the closest people to me but at the end of the day my closest community is these plants and this food like they're closest to me than anyone else <laughs> you know I spend the time with them and they like get me <laughs> yeah, I, love that. I think it's just important to cultivate those relationships with your natural environment and you know, not let your phone and computer completely take over your life. And if you feel that, you know, it's time to get outside and take your shoes off. <laughs> mm, thank you for there. I think that's so good. I find I just started growing. I have like a little basil plant and a little rosemary inside. And they're just like, I just love waking up and just seeing them. So like, even if I can't get outside, because right now with the fires and the smoke in the air, I don't know if you're experiencing that, but it just feels like makes my eyes burn and like gave me a headache yesterday and it just feels kind of intense. So just like, I try to go outside for a walk in the woods for an hour every day, but I am kind of like, maybe not today or yesterday. What was that? We're in definitely, um, definitely in brutal times. Yeah, fires are crazy and I feel like I feel more parched than usual you know in Colorado I feel like I always am a little bit dry my skin I'm always you know feeling like I need to hydrate and 
yeah, with these fires in the air, it's just a whole new level of dryness and smoke. And yeah, it definitely brings for a more difficult climate to get out every day and, you know, hike or walk or run or bike. So yeah, I think just taking extra care of yourself and all of us, you know, time, like hydrating foods and clean water and, you know. Watermelon, cucumbers. I'm curious, so you're working on farms. Do you wanna, you don't have to, but do you wanna name the farms you're working on? Oh, sure. Yeah, so I work at Esoterra Culinary Gardens. They're in and I've been with them for about three years now. I'm really close oh. with them. And kind of got connected with them a little bit ago through a few different families and we've just been close ever since. And so, yeah, I am over there every week. And then I also am at Blossom Flower Farm in Lafayette. So kind of co-farming a small plot of land just for flowers with a friend. It's been really exciting. I'm learning all about dahlias. And I love dahlias. Oh my gosh, they're so gorgeous. Precious. Yeah, I, I've wanted to learn about flower farming for a while now and finally like doing it and it feels so good and it's just there's nothing like seeing just a field of color you know and the smells and the scents that like wow like what what is this <laughs> who, who came up with this ridiculous <laughs> yeah wow i want to connect with them what is her what is the name of that farm again so it's blossom flower farm it's very small yeah very humble it's actually she was a, a doctor before this and she quit her job to be more with her kiddos and grow flowers. And I'm like, wow, love this woman. Oh my God, that's wonderful. That's so cool. Oh, how beautiful and perfect for photo ops too, I imagine, just to be able to be with flowers and taking photos outside too. Best. Yeah, they're great models. <laughs> I'd love to talk more about your photography work because... I am just so captivated by your photos. They're so stunning and just gorgeous. They have this presence and this, they kind of have this stillness and this simplicity, but they're just so elegant. You know, it's kind of like you were talking about earlier, like with just food and birth, like just keep it simple. And they do have this very grounded simplicity to them, but absolutely elegant and cohesive yeah I don't even understand how you do it but what's what's your secret how do you take a photo and what do you what are some of your favorite tools thank you for that so sweet um, yeah I mean good lighting for sure is key you know I have these little nooks and crannies in my studio where I'm just like, yep, this is the golden spot. And then you figure out the golden hour. And then that's when I'll usually shoot all my photos for <laughs> whatever I'm wanting to you know, put towards a little file for my cookbooks. But yeah, I mean, again, just keeping things simple and don't overthink it. You know, don't give it too much. Like, give it thought, of course. But the less clutter, the better in your mind and on your table and in your, you know, space that you're trying to capture. Just keep it clean and simple and let the food shine or whatever it is, the plant or the flower or the dish, you know, let it have its, its, its time because it's, 
I don't know, our food is beautiful by itself. It doesn't need, doesn't need anything else, you know, even when we eat it too, like, it's the food that tastes the best is what outside in the garden, picking it straight up, and it's like, oh, I didn't have any salt, I didn't have any pepper, which is totally against, like, a chef's code of <laughs> preparing, like, you all <laughs> things to up, whether it be lemon or olive oil or garlic, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm 100% into all of those things very much. I them. <laughs> but there's something about keeping things simple and pure and letting them have their wholeness and entirety unadulterated, you know. Um, I love that. And I'll usually shoot, you know, a few little rounds of something. And what I had in my mind is never the picture I get. So I'll, I'll kind of I think if I get a vegetable that I'm bringing home from the farm, I'm like, okay. You know, I want to write about this. I want to talk about it. Like, I want to showcase it. And I'll bring it home, and I have in my head, like, this is what I'm kind of going for. And then once I start shooting, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is, this is better. And so it just kind of starts unfolding, and it's usually a mistake shot or something that I'm like, actually, I, I really like that. That turned out, and, and I'll post that. Or, <laughs> so. I love that dialogue. Just, like coming in with an intention, but then also allowing there to be kind of a conversation between you and the camera and whatever it is you're documenting or capturing, like just to be able to kind of move in that space intuitively and not be so regimented, like it's gonna be a view from above and we'll have this right here and this right here. Like, I like that you're allowing things to be fluid and kind of alive in the moment and yeah, going with. Relax with it, you know, there's no rules. There's no right, you know, it's just you and this beautiful product, you know. I love that. I'm curious, like some of your photos have hands in them. I'm curious because I've tried doing, where I'll set my camera with a timer and try to capture that. I'm curious if you have any suggestions for using your own hands or doing like self photo work. Yeah, I've tried the self timers and I actually, I just put my hand in front and I hold the camera back here and I just oh. start and I'll kind of move while I'm shooting and, you know, do these different hand positions and stuff. And, and from that, I'll scroll through and I'll be like, oh, that one turned out kind of nice, you know? So there's no sort of, yeah, there's no really rules for that either. I don't really use the self-timer that much. There are some uncomfortable, like, you know, moments for sure. You know, you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's a stretch. But, <laughs> but yeah, just uh, kind of going with it, whatever you feel. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. That's a good reminder. As you were talking about food earlier and kind of going with what you feel with food, I'm curious if there's any suggestions you have for making a dish more exciting or more palatable or more nutritious. Like if there's any way that you make things just more exciting Mm. in a simple any simple kind of tips for transforming a meal yeah so I would say again with food my favorite things to always have on hand are fresh herbs mm. and really nice salt like Malden salt it really changes the whole dish <laughs> mm. so 
I like just utilizing fresh ingredients at, at all times. Like I, especially these days, you know, when lockdowns and everything happened and restaurants closed, I really found myself eating a package-free diet. So nothing really that's in a plastic bag. And there's a few things like spices and stuff that I'll get that come in plastic that I'm not, you know, a fan of and trying my best to, you know, source everything um, better these days. But, but yeah, when I started just eating more local and seasonal and really eating what's, you know, coming up around me, I realized you don't need to butter that up so much mm. because it already tastes so good. Mm. So, you know, things like fresh olive oil and cracked black pepper, <laughs> good salt, fresh herbs, a little squeeze of lemon here and there, garlic and things like that. You know, those are always good things to add to foods that already taste great on their own. But, you know, if you want to get a little elegant and spicy and fancy, a, cat, a cast iron is always good to have on hand, you know, get it ripping hot with a little butter or ghee and throw whatever is vegetable or meat in there, you know, and fresh herbs on top and just give it a couple minutes. And usually whether, you know, it's a carrot or <laughs> lamb or it'll taste really good. <laughs> I have a lot of cumin. Ooh, I love cumin and lemon. I'm obsessed. Like I put so much lemon on everything. I just like have been mandolining like a whole lemon and I'll just like throw it in a salad. Like yes. lemon and all. I just am obsessed with lemon. I love that. Yes. So good. I, yeah, I put lemon and cumin on most everything. I use a lot of like Mediterranean, Middle Eastern spices and you know, you can even make like a, a simple yogurt sauce for vegetables and add some spices to it and lemon zest and, and lemon zest is huge. A lot of people only use the juice, which, you know, is very sour, whereas the zest is just so much more, I feel like it's softer. And so I'll put zest instead of juice into most anything I want to flavor with lemon. And I feel like that just, I don't know, it makes the dish come alive. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. I love that reminder. Because, yeah, there is something different there about the zest. I'm curious, there's a lot of artists and a lot of doula, doula listeners. And I know you've done doula work, wow, since you were 15. I'm curious yeah. if there's any recipes or foods that you've found are really good for new mamas or things that you can suggest uh, people do for new moms, even if they're not a doula, but they just have a beautiful new mom in their life and they want to make them something to eat or do something nice for them. Is there any suggestion you have there? Certainly. Yeah. So I focus a lot on warmth, you know, as you know, from the innate traditions courses that we took, warmth is huge for new mothers, just keeping their bellies warm and their feet warm and the atmosphere warm because warmth is a great healer, you know? So coming through food and keeping that sort of digestive fire going and stoking that fire through foods is great. Whether it be foods that are actually warm, you know, through heat contact or foods that are warming by nature, you know, like ginger, cinnamon, things like that. So I like to utilize things like kimchi stews. I make a lot of porridge <laughs> for myself with wheat berries and oats and lentils and things like that. And then also just keeping in mind the whole foods approach to eating. And 
a lot of people throw whole foods and whole nutrition around a lot, but I'm not sure that we really understand what that means to eat whole. Like if you look up, you know, what does whole mean? It's something in its entirety. You know, it's all of it. It's the whole thing. You know, so that means the whole carrot, you know, mm -hmm. the fruit and the stem and the leaves. You know, it's the whole milk. It's the cream top and what's beneath the cream, all the milk and water solids. It's the whole egg, the yolk and the white. You know, if you're going to get chicken, get it with the skin on and the bone in. That's where all the nutrition is. That's mm -hmm. where all the is too. So whole foods are really what I like to implement for new mamas who are recovering and rebalancing after birth. And yeah, just, I, I do a lot of milk teas for moms, like lactation milk teas. So I have this little that I make with fenugreek that I toast. So I do toasted fenugreek and oat straw and milky oat tops. And I do a little bit of rose, a couple other things. And then I'll steep it in either oat milk if they're dairy-free or whole milk if they do dairy. And a little bit of maple syrup, <laughs> so good. And then I do lots of little like muffins and treats like that, granolas with rye flakes and oat flakes and you know, nuts and seeds and tons and tons of fat because fat is protective. You know, there's a lot of people that are really scared of fat and um, oils, but if they're good fats and good oils and clean and whole, then we should most definitely be eating a lot of them, you know, in our diets every day because they protect us, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of butter and ghee and oils and all the cooking, hazelnut oil and almond oil and things like that. Oh my gosh, I want you to cook for me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to have to sign up for your meal plan. That sounds oh. so good. Yeah, come over. I'll feed you. <laughs> feed you well. You won't leave hungry. I have the Italian grandmother going for me. I was like, did you get enough? So sweet. What was, I'm curious. About Italy, cooking in Italy, how is that different than cooking here? Did you notice any differences or what was that experience like? Yeah, well, I can't speak for all restaurants there because I was working for a very classy restaurant, Michelin starred. So it was, it was some of the best food I'd ever had in my life. I definitely had my best bite ever <laughs> in wow. Italy. First night I was there eating at that restaurant that I worked at. I was like, wow, okay this is going to be a heavenly, you know, few weeks ahead. But yeah, they, they implement a lot of whole foods, you know, and great quality ingredients. You know, there are farmers coming in and out all the time. And I actually had visited a raw milk farm while I was there. And the farmer was like, oh, you're working at, you know, this restaurant, you know, while you're here, do you mind taking all this cheese and milk on your way back? And I was like, oh, sure. <laughs> Everything was <laughs> so fresh and so vibrant, so many colors and flavors, but again, the Italian way of eating is so simple. They don't add, you know, all of these spices and something that I really admired about them because I, I love like Mediterranean, Middle Eastern um, culture and food. And, you know, my mom has some Jewish roots. And so I cook with a lot of spices and I just noticed how cooking in Italy, I made a ton of polenta at my time there. And it was salt and butter and cream and polenta, you know, corn, ground corn and a little bit of cheese and, you know, a big cast iron crock and a wooden spoon and thyme, lots of thyme, mm -hmm. you know, and they give more time to their food than we do. So I think 
there's something to be said about that because time is flavor. You know, if you give something a little more attention, a little more time, it develops more rich, bold, you know, flavors that really meld into the food just because it had time to sit and develop that. So yeah, very simple food, but the best I've, I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah. I just like, oh, I just want to go to Italy right now. Let's go. <laughs> I'm curious, do you recall the bite that you had? Yes. Tell me more about it. Yeah, very, very vivid memories. <laughs> Yeah, if I close my eyes, um, it was a bocconcini, so it was these small little, like, mozzarella balls, and they're very tiny, they're like little mozzarella pearls, and it was crisped and uh, fried in this little batter, very lightly, you know, it was like barely golden, and on top it was just this tiny thin ring of like a crisp onion, spring onion, and then beneath it was an elderflower sauce, and I don't know what exactly was on the top of it, if it was like a white pepper or like a white, you know, peppercorn, a pink peppercorn, I think it might have been. But it was so simple. It was just like three main things. And I took that bite and I was like, oh my, like, whoa, like, this is, if I could be a food, I'd want to be this dish. I'd want to be this elderflower sauce first and foremost. <laughs> and then this cheese, what? So it was all of my favorite things in one bite. And and it was very small, the portions, you know, are very tiny because food is just, you know, there it's, it's such an experience. It's not something that's just meant to like, oh, you know, grab something to eat and scarf it down and, you know, get on with your day, go to work. It, it's such an experience for them. You know, they, it's many, many courses and it's so much time and so much conversation between every bite, you know, and it's a glass of wine and then smelling it and talking about the flavors and the fragrances and where it came from and connecting on that way, you know, and I really admired that about their culture. It's like, slow down. Like I actually got in trouble for eating standing up on one of my shifts when I was cooking in Italy and I was uh, eating family meal, you know, they always put up family meal before the shift and I grabbed a bowl and was kind of scarfing it down while I was standing there. And one of the chefs came up to me and was like, what are you doing? Sit down. I, I can't believe standing while you're eating. Like, this is a disgrace. You don't do that to food. That's not how you experience food. That's not how you treat food. Like, it was like, I was wrong. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'll sit down. He's like, sit down, take off your apron, enjoy. I'm like, whoa, I'm not used to that. <laughs> you know? Working in a restaurant in the United States. Night and day, yeah. They're like, don't eat, <laughs> just work. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, very beautiful experience, and I just love the way they treat food in other countries. It's, it's so beautiful, like, it's so integrated as part of their life and part of, you know, part of their wholeness, and it's not this something that's just there so we can, you know, eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the standard three meals per day, and work, and get on with our lives. Like, it's, it's very precious to them, and it's also a very communal thing, you know, it's beautiful. That's just, it makes my eyes water. And I just long for that in our culture when we can someday be more, like when we can grow up just a little bit and yeah, honor our food, honor our time with each other. 
I love that idea of this chef who says, you don't treat food that way. That <laughs> no. just, it just warms my heart that mm. that reminder, like food is such a gift and to treat it like a gift. And oh mm. my God, that, thank you for sharing that story. And that no. reflection, it just really is such a beautiful reminder of where we could progress to in our culture, hopefully sooner than uh, later. Yes, that is the goal, for sure. I'm curious, doing your work, what are some of your visions and goals in cooking for people and documenting your food? Like, what are some things you're working towards through your work? Well, I actually, I just started small project of mill and flour. It's a little CSA that I began just because um, I wanted to get the word out about whole grains and fresh grains to people because I feel like especially in this town, you know, it's very dominantly gluten-free, dairy-free. And I feel like unless you've experienced real gluten or real dairy, it's really hard to judge whether or not your body is going to react well to it. Uh, because the difference is night and day. What you're getting on the grocery store shelves is not gluten and dairy. You know, that's a very adulterated, processed form. And by the time it gets to you, you know, it's really just sugar and water and, you know, chemicals. <laughs> so I, I really like to get that word out to people about real, raw, whole foods. Like, what is wheat? What is dairy? you know, and how does this actually feel in your body as opposed to the things that you were buying in the grocery store, you know, because if, if it's white and powdery, it's usually not food. <laughs> Nature doesn't really do that. So yeah, with this, with this CSA that I started, I wanted to bake for people. And I had just been posting, you know, on Instagram and my stories, and people were like, oh my gosh, I want to try that. Can I buy this from you? You know, are you willing to like, just make a batch and I'll pay you or whatever. And so I was kind of doing that for the community. And when the lockdowns all started, I had put up a little menu and was just cooking for the community. I was cooking stews and pies and cookies and breads and things like that. And so, yeah, I, I got involved with this flower farmer and started getting all of these local grains from friends and farmers and wanted to mill my own flour. So I invested in a, a mock mill. So they're those German mills that mill and grind wheat with the stone grinders and you just pour the, the wheat berries in the hopper and grind it in and you have fresh flour. So I use all fresh milled flours, 100% whole local grains for everything that I bake. And then right now I just have a little CSA package that I do for people that's one sweet baked good and one savory baked good and then a little bundle of local flours that we're harvesting at the farm. So yeah, that's kind of a little project that I'm doing right now. And then, um, of course, on the side, I'm still doing postpartum nutrition and postpartum herbalism for clients and new mamas in the area. I'm working on a few cookbooks <laughs> and writing a lot. And yeah, I, I have a lot of visions of what I want to put together. And the CSA was sort of the baby of the actual mama that I'm working on. So it's just a little bite of something bigger. I'm really trying to 
do and something I've been working on for the past couple years, trying to cultivate this idea and really bring it to fruition. And so over the next year or two, it's, it's really going to be happening, <laughs> but I, I still have a lot of work to do on this project. So I can't say too much yet, but. I mean, I love the idea of a CSA where you're working with natural grains, like flowers and flowers. That's right. such a fun combination. <laughs> yeah. So. And who love baked goods and flowers. I feel like especially now it's something that you know makes everyone happy and gives you a little bit of joy to see like oh this colorful bouquet on your dinner table while you eat or you know oh something sweet and, and something savory and this was made with grains and eggs and milk and cream and you know fruit and vegetables that were grown within a few miles from my doorstep like it's just it's a cool way to get people connected again because there's so much disconnect and you know i think people feel a little bit lonely at least you know a few months ago when all of this started, uh, it really disconnected people. And I think bringing something back into the picture that is really connecting and, you know, really whole and something that we all can, again, relate to. It's part of our natural environment, you know? Such a beautiful gift. I love that. And I love that, oh my God, just everything you're doing, lighting <laughs> so beautiful and just, it all works together so holistically it's so complete and so beautiful mm -hmm. you're so sweet i want to honor your time because i am just so thankful that you're able to step away and make time to chat today but i also want to honor if there's any other messages or suggestions coming through or anything coming through you want to be sure to share and then also how people can get a hold of you and connect with your work sure yeah so i have um my instagram of course it's just medicine maiden so you can find me on there and you can personal message me on there as well but it kind of lists all of my services and all of that. And also my website is linked on my Instagram, but that's just medicinemaiden.com as well. And you can contact me there. And that has, you know, my photography and I really want to start getting recipes up on there as well, hopefully soon. But yeah, so that's where people can reach me. I mean, if I had, you know, a message to give to everyone, I would just say, you know, take advantage of everything that we have around us and remember that the best medicine doesn't always come like in a tincture bottle or you know a capsule or you know something like that that's you know been extracted in alcohol or in a bottle I think all of those medicines are absolutely beautiful and I reverence them and use them when needed but at the same time you know sunlight does wonders taking your shoes off and getting in the dirt does so much and you know remembering that food is the best medicine of all you know herbs are very powerful and very potent and that's why we don't eat them on a dinner plate, you know, with a fork and knife. That's why it's usually drop doses or, you know, things like that. So utilize the food before you have to even utilize, you know, the potent medicines because food is ultimately our real and first medicine. Mm, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. And I love the idea of using the first medicine for mamas and for babes is you know their first experience through this 
transitional time too. So I, oh, yeah. so beautiful. Yes, nourish all the mothers in the community. That's where we all come from. So I feel like we should, we should put them first. <laughs> yeah, I can see how your CSA would be a really beautiful postpartum gift too for a new mama. Totally, yeah. Actually, I had a, um, a lot of people asking if they could give it as a gift. And I, I have it set up in memberships, like CSAs are set up, because it kind of gives you an upfront payment to then have what you need to gather all the ingredients and supplies for the next month. But I do have on the website where you can purchase the CSA, just under Medicine Man, I also have an option now where you can just buy one week. So yeah, if people, you know, want gift in the Boulder, Denver community. Yeah, it's a great thing to give to a new mama, for sure. I love that. Awesome. I will definitely be sure to have all these links in the show notes, and I'm so excited about just all the offerings that you're doing. So beautiful, and it's so wonderful to connect with you again and be able yeah. to share and hear about your time in Italy as well, too. <laughs> just warms my heart so much yes yeah i i'll have to tell you more about it sometime it was it was magical i'm curious where in italy that was so i was in super far northeastern italy so it hugs right next to austria and slovenia so it's more than italian it's it's, it's like austrian slovenian and its own sort of culture and they have their own dialect like friulian and so they're, they're their own people beating to their own drum, their own food styles and everything. So it's very unique. And yeah, it's just very, very tiny town, but they grow the best white wine in mm. Italy. And it's, it's coastal, but it's also alpine. And it's a mixture of all these different worlds in one tiny little place. And it's very sweet and very special. Well, Callie, thank you so much again. Yes, thank you. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you can share it with a friend if you'd like or leave a review or share to your Insta stories. If you tag me, I try to always reshare that. And I love connecting with you. And if you have any questions, please feel free to, you can send me a DM on Instagram at time in the studio podcast, or you can email me at Sarah at Ada Zia. And yeah, thanks so much for being here. Be sure to connect with Callie on Instagram at Medicine Maiden or at her gorgeous, beautiful website, www.medicinemaiden.com. Thank you so much and have a wonderful week. Take care and may our efforts benefit all beings. Lots of love to you all.